right, well, it's good to be with you this morning. So good to see you. And if you are a guest of ours, it is our great privilege. We're excited about what God's doing. Um, a year ago tomorrow uh, was the, our very first uh, Sunday, I guess you could say, gathering uh, that met in Austin and uh, Jennifer's home. A year, I can't believe it's been already a year. Uh, and, and so for some of you, if like this is your first time or maybe you've heard a little bit about the story of Redeemer, um, we are, our desire is to help people joyfully follow Jesus and make him known. We feel like that is the mission of the church, not just our church, Redeemer Community Church, but the mission of God's church, Christ's church, the one that he bought with his precious blood. And so our, we're so excited about what God is doing. Um, we started in a home with 11, uh, I think 11 adults uh, together in a home. And before you knew it, <laughs> we kept growing because we kept having children, uh, different people having children. And uh, God has just connected us with uh, some awesome people that I hope that if you're a guest of ours, you've gotten to meet some of them as well. But man, it would be our joy too if you would just take time uh, to fill out one of the guest card or connect cards. Those are back there on the back left on your way out. They're right there. Um, make sure there's a pen there too. I'm not sure if there is one there, Austin, but, um, but it would be our joy to connect with you and get to know you a little bit more uh, and see how we can partner with you and your family uh, in seeing us all help people joyfully follow Jesus and make him known. We're in the middle of a series too. So if you have a Bible, uh, we are looking during the summer, we've been looking at the Psalms. So Psalm 127 is what we're picking up on. We've been in these Psalms. They were this, this specific section of songs. Uh, Psalms and uh, start in Psalm 120 and go all the way to Psalm 124, I mean 134. And this was like Israelites, God's chosen people, the people of Israel, like their playlist of songs that they would sing on their journey for three different annual feasts, like these pilgrimages. And so these pilgrims would sing these songs to each other, to one another, as they're journeying on their way to, to Israel. Some are traveling maybe even hundreds of miles potentially with their family and taking their family to Jerusalem. And on their journey, they would be singing uh, these songs, encouraging one another, looking upwards towards God and, and putting their eyes in the right focus as they head into uh, Israel and specifically into Jerusalem for these annual feasts. And so now we come to these next two psalms really hone in on the family. And so what I want to do over these next two weeks is really talk about what is God's design for parenting. What is God's design for parenting and parenting really God's way? And we'll see this specifically as we look at this psalm together in Psalm 127. But I want to I put this before you. I read this in this little, it was a tiny little book. I read this probably, I'm maybe probably over a decade ago. I think before I, my, my oldest son is now 12 or almost 12 and a half now, um, I'm pretty confident I read this before he was born, or right around the time he was born. It was this tiny little book, and in this book by Bob Renau, he wrote, and it, and it just has stuck with me for so many years, and I want to put this question to you. Don't answer it out loud. You, don't have to, you can discuss it with your, your, your significant other, or maybe just with yourself as you think, maybe, maybe one day when I uh, am a parent. If God get, blesses you with children, or maybe you're saying, you know, I'm young, like, why are you even talking about this? This doesn't relate to me. What I want you to see is really God has given us two types of family 
There's our actual family, and then there's the church family. And both of these, we're going to see, even in this Psalm 127, how they're important for all of us. Whether you're a grandparent and you're kind of past that age of having children in your home, how you can invest in the church in the next generation. We see that throughout Scripture, God's passion and care and His heart for that next generation, the people who are rising up and raising up in a family. And so don't just kind of tune out if you're like, all right, I'm past that, or that's way down the road or something. Or maybe you're just kind of starting out and you're like, all right, give me all the notes. That's how I know I was. But I want to also say this and kind of preface this before I give you this, a couple questions this morning. Is I, The longer I parent, I don't know if this is true for some of you that have parented for way longer than even I have, but I know for me, the longer I parent, the less confident I have become in my parenting skills. Anybody like agree with that? If you're a parent, like you're like the the longer I've parented, the more like the more or the less confident I have become in my own parenting skills. I mean, I thought, you know, it's like, all right, you've watched, you know, you're like that person, right? You've watched everyone else's kids. You're like, oh, my kids are not going to do that. (laughs) My kids are going to be perfect. Like I know I've watched, I've seen all the mistakes maybe my own parents made, or you've seen some friends or other people, they start having kids first and you're like, all right, I'm not doing it their way. I'm going to do it the right way. And the more I have, I've gotten older and, and parenting, the more I'm like, man, I thought I had it all together, had all these great principles. I'm going to put them into practice and I look back and I'm like, I got nothing. I'm not even sure I'm doing a good job. Like, I don't know if you feel those. I'm sure if you're a parent, you've felt those days where you're like, I don't even know if I'm doing the right thing. Uh, but this, this question I'm going to ask you was a question that has resonated with me, and I've never forgotten it. I always know exactly, ever, if I'm ever in front of a new crowd and, uh, and come up on parenting, usually I'll bring this question before them. And I want to I want to put it to you as this, and here's what I just think about. Think of this. When your son or daughter leaves your home someday, here's the question. Which one, and this is the one he proposed in the book, which one of the following, following would you want most for them? All right, you can only choose one. And so he goes and he says, when your son or daughter leaves your home someday, which one of the following would you want make most for them? One, to be successfully academic, academically. To be successful athletically. Third option, to be successful socially. And then the last option, he says, is to be a person of faith and character. And I would think most of us would be like, where's the above all? <laughs> like, where, where's that one? I want, I want all of the above. Like, give me, give me all of them. I, w- I want my children to be academically successful. I want them to be successful, uh, successful athletically. I want them to, be, to, to have good friends and have a good influence in this life, to be successful socially. But obviously, I want my my children to be a person of faith and character, to be an influence on this world, that he he or she would leave their imprint on society and make a difference in this world, that they would be pure and, and that they would choose a good and successful life. I want all those things, right? And I think all of us, when we ask that question, we'd be like, yes. I want all of those. But then it's like, okay, that's fine of a question. The, per, the part that kind of punches you in the gut is this next question. And he asks this in the book, and he says, let me change the question a bit. He says this, which one of the following parenting issues gets the best of your time, your effort, your money, your anxiety, and planning? And he goes on through them. Academics, athletics, social life, faith and character development. And usually that's a little bit of a gut punch because when we start to think back, how have I invested? What am I, what am I investing my child in? What am I pushing them for? A lot of times, I mean, I, I was where, where we came from when I was the high school pastor there. It was a very affluent area. They were big on higher education. 
I mean, these, these kids were no, like, you had SAT scores mattered, and you're taking that thing until you get into the right school. And you're going to apply to all these schools, and we're going to tell everyone how many schools you've been to accepted. I got to hear that every year as a high school pastor. Get to see their parents on Facebook. My son was accepted into Harvard. My son was accepted into Duke and, and UNC Chapel Hill. And, all, and they would mention all these different schools. And it's like, all right, this big gloating party because they were very passionate about seeing their kids succeed academically. And I would say, ultimately, there's no issue there. I mean, we want our kids to succeed academically. And they would put so much pressure, and parents can put so much pressure on their kids and their family or their children and put this pressure on them. Or how many of you have known the parent who puts all the pressure in the world on their son uh, uh, athletically? I mean, they have them in every sport, or not really every sport. All of a sudden, it becomes one sport. And that one sport rules life. And that, that one sport is taken up all the time. Soccer moms, that's why we get the title, right? Soccer mom, they're just going from one place to the other, dropping the kids off, all the different activities. Let's get them really busy, and that'll be great. And all these things. And so when he asked this question, oftentimes all of this is flipped. Most of us would say, okay, if I was only given one option, I would want for my kid, that, that my child, to be a person of character and faith. I think that's what we would choose. But when it really boils down to the day in and day out, the everyday matters of life, most of us put the least amount of time in that area. And that is tragic. It is tragic because I, I read that years ago, but I, yet I see myself every so often, like that drift that it's like, man, I want my kids to have fun. I want them to have all these things. And quickly you can find yourself putting so much focus on things, relationships, sports, activities, and neglect the greater things like faith and character. That's why I appreciate this psalm. I appreciate God doesn't leave us silent on how to parent. He gives us his wisdom. If you were to go to Barnes & Noble today, you will find countless books on parenting. And people want to know, like, I mean, because like, they have the stress, right? The, the anxiety, the stress. Quickly, you, you, turn, you thought this child was perfect, and then quickly, they're like rebellious, and they have an attitude, and they're wanting to talk back to you. They're becoming a teenager, and you're like, oh my, they're going to wreck my life. And so quickly, you're like, all right, I need resources. I need help. And you know you need help. And so you go to books and different things, and they will give you all these things. But I want you to see parenting from God's perspective. And we even see it in the psalm. But interestingly, notice, if you have your Bible in front of you, I want you to look at it. Notice in the prescription there, right before we even get to the actual text, verse 1, it says this, it's a song of ascents of Solomon. I think that's interesting that it's of Solomon. Solomon, I mean, like, the wisest person to ever live. I mean, gives us a lot of Psalms, gives us the Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, great wisdom, and all these things. But he was terrible, absolutely terrible at putting it into practice. So even here, I can talk and know the right things, and you can know the right things. You can know God's heart. You can have wisdom in all these things. But it comes when we put it into practice. And Solomon, we need to learn from his failures in that he, he knew what to say but didn't fulfill it. He was, his, his life was marked with plenty and plenty of mistakes. And so I want us to read this psalm together. So Psalm 127. It's only a few verses, five verses, like most of these psalms here in the Song of Ascents. He says this, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. 
Verse 2, it is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. How many of you parents are like, man, I want that. <laughs> Give me some sleep. You're like, every morning, you're like these puffy eyes, and you're like, I can't sleep. Those, those, those two o'clock, for you, you moms, those two o'clock feedings and all those things, or, or the child who just can't sleep, and you're like, all right, I just want some alone time. Here he's like, he gives his beloved sleep. You're like, yes, sign me up for that. Verse 3, Beloved, or, or behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb, a reward. And he says, like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. This is God's word. Let me pray. Father, we thank you so much that this is your word. This isn't Eric's advice. This isn't Eric's lessons that he's learned in life. This is your word, not mine. I, 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 mean, I know there's a temptation to think, oh, I've got it all together, and I know I don't, and I don't want to put it that way, God. You are the one who gives us these, these principles. It's your word. Father, help me to be an example in this area with my own children, and that I would put these kind of principles that we're going to look at into practice, that I would trust in you as the great uh, Father uh, to us. Thank you for your care, for your love, for your grace. Thank you for giving us your word, and we ask it in your son's name. Amen. Did you notice verse 1? This is our, our first point, but look at verse 1. He says this, and even notice if you have the ESV, or even if different translations, you'll pick it up. But He says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. He says it is in vain. So if you, if, again, a little background on the Bible. Solomon uh, wrote Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes is full of this word, vanity of vanities. He says all is vanity, he says. And here, that's something that really stands out. And what is his point? I want you to see this, and this is our first point in your notes when it comes to parenting God's way. Notice this, that love and effort are not enough. I know that's hard to hear because you're like, I mean, come on, that's uh, like Beatles. I mean, like, all you need is love, right? Like, like, uh, like we think, like, if I, just put, if I just put love into action, that's all I need, right? If I could just love my kids. And I know the problem is most of us are like, well, I don't love my kids the way God would want me to love my kids. I'm not perfect in my love. And maybe you're like, you know, I want to put principles into play. I'm going to get some principles, practices, different things, and I'm going to put this in. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go hardcore, and I'm going, to, I'm going to go every detail through this book. I'm going to read this book, and it's going to give me everything I need, nine steps to having a perfect child. And I'm going to put all those things into practice. What God's saying in this passage is saying this, love and effort are not enough. You need something more. And notice what we need. He says, unless the Lord builds the house those who build who build it uh, who build it labor in vain unless the lord watches over the city the watchman stays awake in vain it is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest eating the bread of anxious toil the lord is what you need and here's what we do right how many how many times have you find yourself going weeks maybe even months without praying for your children. For most of us, we're probably like, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of on that train. I, I, I pray fairly often. I, 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 I pray for my kids because I, I know that I want God to care for them. I mean, I'm trying my best, and so I'm going to give this to the Lord. I'm going to pray for my children. But here's the thing. We can try to put all the do's and don'ts together, and, 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 and really, 
love is awesome. Like, like this is something that God talks about. Like, I'm to love God with all my heart. I mean, what's, the, what's the greatest commandment in the law? A teacher, they asked him, he said, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? What did God say? Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. I mean, you need love. Yeah, absolutely. Most kids in this world, and sadly, the ones that end up in trouble and different things, did not experience the love that they should have experienced when they were young. Absolutely. There's nothing, I'm definitely not saying you don't love your kids. You pour out yourself. You, there's nothing teaches you more about sacrificial love than having children. It's easy to live life selfishly when you're single and you're living your life and you just do whatever you want to do. And then all of a sudden God drops this child in your home and all of a sudden you're like, wait, I can't watch this TV or I, I've got to actually sleep and I've got to wake up early in the morning and I've got to do these things. All of a sudden you learn so much more about yourself and about sacrificial love through your children. But ultimately, love, effort, great practices, all those things are not enough. You need the Lord. I, I need the Lord. We need His help. We, 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 I mean, being equipped with skills is great. Like, I want to have skills, and I want to help you. I want to partner with you and help you with having good skills, and I'm going to talk about some of those things in a, in a little bit. But the importance here is to learn that the, without the Lord, Everything else ultimately is in vain. When you go apart from me, here's what Jesus himself said in John. In John 15, he said, apart from me, you can do nothing. I want us to hear that because we're an overconfident people who think we can do it ourselves. Self-made, I can accomplish what I need to accomplish. I can do what I, I can do. I can control my child. I'll, I'll make sure he behaves or she behaves. I'll control everything. And we can become very overconfident. And here, the psalmist, psalm, wisest person to ever live, is saying, unless the Lord is in it, you labor and you parent in vain. If God isn't in it, it's not worth it. The Lord has to be in it. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city. Um, Elise Fitzpatrick wrote a great parenting book called Give Them Grace. If you've never read it, it's a really, really good resource. But in that book, there's a quote. She says this, I thought parenting was going to reveal my strengths, never realizing that God had ordained it to reveal my weaknesses. I think if I could not say amen enough to that, I would say, I'm going to say amen and amen, right? Like, like I mean, you quickly learn your pride, your selfishness, maybe some anger shows up, impatience, right? Impatience shows up. I mean, some things that I never knew was there deeper down in my heart that were like blind spots to me. My child, my children can bring that out of you and you see it and it's revealed to you. I think that's so true. You're thinking, oh man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring in my expertise. You know, I'm, I'm a pastor. I've, I've worked with families for years. I've taught, t- how, uh, trying to help parents uh, be good, te- uh, good, good be teenage parents. And here's some principles. Here's things I've observed. And I've learned a lot of lessons watching and observing families and watching teenagers, all those three things. And I thought, oh man, I'm just going to bring this to my family. It's going to be great. <laughs> Quickly, you learn. You re- recognize your own weaknesses in parenting. You see, if God is not central in your life, he's not central to your relationships, your kids, your family, work life. I mean, this doesn't just apply to the family. Ultimately, the psalmist is saying it is in vain if the Lord isn't in it. Second principle is this in your notes here is God can do, I love this, God can do more while you sleep 
than you could ever do apart from him. God can accomplish more while you're asleep. Have you ever wondered? Have you ever wondered why, why do we sleep? I don't know. I, I lay around thinking about these kind of things at night. I don't know when I can't sleep kind of thing. Um, and wonder like, why did God... If, I mean, God gives us a mission. Like, I'm here with an actual purpose. God places me on earth, and he gives me a mission. He gives me a purpose. Why would he not want me to just keep going? Like, I mean, why not? Why stop? Why not, why not just keep going? Why, not, why can't I just function through the night and go into the next day and go into the next day? What is God teaching us through sleep? I think it's a natural, everyday lesson. You can't do it on your own. It's a lesson that you're not meant to do it on your own. You need to rest. Uh, even the Israelites, God had instituted um, uh, on the seventh year. I mean, they were to, to not uh, glean on their fields. They were not to work on their fields. They were to just take a break from it. They would do this on the seventh day too. Uh, I, I mean, every, on the Sabbath, they would take that day off as a day of rest, setting aside. I mean, God doesn't need rest. Why did he rest on the seventh day? I mean, God does not get tired like we get tired. He's teaching us something. And I think he's teaching us a really great principle is that you don't have enough power to accomplish what you think you can accomplish. You need him. And he's teaching you that through sleep. I mean, think of this. I I love this. Look at verse two. He says, it is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest. Eating, I mean, like, hey, you want to get up early, be that kind of workaholic? I mean, like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get up super early, and I'm going to work all day. I'm going to work really late at night. I'm going I'm to work hard, and maybe you're eating bread. And he says, but all of it's through anxious toil, and you're striving and working. Why does he say this? Why is he saying this? He goes, it's going back to the verse verses. Unless the Lord is in it. You labor, you work, you get up early, you go to bed late at night, all of that with anxious toil isn't enough. It's not. You need him. You have to ultimately let God deal with what God can handle and do what he can do. You're like, you can stay up and watch and try to stay up and care for your kids. Nothing will teach you more than sleep. Guess what? You go to bed. Who's taking care of you then? The Lord is, because he never sleeps. We looked at this earlier in the Psalms. He never slumbers and sleeps. While you're sleeping, he's wide awake. He has the whole world in his hands, literally and figuratively. He is controlling everything and all things by himself. I loved what John Piper said this. He said this. He said, God can perform more good for those who trust him while they sleep than they can perform with anxious labor for themselves while awake. God can do more while you're sleeping than you could ever do with anxiety and stress and labor and all these things by yourself. God can perform way more while you're sleeping than he ever, you ever could on your own. This is what he's saying in these verses. And here's another thing I loved about what John Piper said in this, on this passage. He said this, you don't have to, it's not your job. And here's what he was getting at. He says, you don't have to carry the weight of final responsibility. What he was meaning by that is it's not your job to change your kids. It's not your job. to ch- you, you can't change your kids. God has given you the authority to lead them, to guide them, to train them, to care for them, to teach them to love God with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their mind. You, you have all of this responsibility, but it's not your job to change them because you can't. You can't change your kids. I wish we could, right? Like, naturally, I wish I could be like, I mean, I don't know how many times I've thought this over the years. Like, if I could just like, I mean, 
trust Jesus, like put your trust in Christ alone for salvation. How many times have I thought that over teenagers and people over the years for me? Over, I mean, countless times where it's like, God, will you just waken them up? Open their eyes to see how beautiful you are, how wonderful you are. God, wake them up. And I'm like, come on, God, like, please, will you? I'm begging. And for whatever reason, I'm trying my best. I'm like, I'm going I'm I'm to nail this message or I'm going to really challenge them. I'm going to give this great verse and that's going to help them. No, I can't change them. It's not my job to change them. Ultimately, we rest in this truth. It is God's responsibility, not my responsibility, to change them. I'm to lead them. I'm to guide them. I'm to love them. I'm to care for them. I'm to disciple them. But ultimately, the responsibility for change is on the Lord. He has the ultimate responsibility. I love this about God. He says this. Jesus says, he says, Take my yoke upon me and learn from me. He says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. He's like, join me, literally like, like a yoke with oxen. You put a strong oxen next to a weak oxen, and that weak oxen is going gonna, is gonna to be being pulled by the stronger oxen on a, in a field. And that weaker one is being pulled along, and it's, it's a lot easier for him to pull the weight of something behind him because he has this strong oxen. Here's what Jesus is teaching in that. He's saying, find your rest in me. My burden is actually easy. My yoke is light. Like, you join with me by faith. Put your faith in me and join me. And it is a rest for your souls, ultimately. I want to give you rest. I want to give you rest for your souls. Join me. And this is what he's teaching us, even through sleep, is ultimately we give the results to the Lord. But here's the question. How much are we depending on the Lord? One of the neat things, this is, uh, is uh, not meant to, to build up someone in this room, obviously, um, but uh, I remember when um, we were at our rehearsal dinner for our wedding, and we were sitting there. They, my, my brother was doing the MC, and he was doing this, like, funny couples, all those couples games and stuff like that, where everybody's doing embarrassing questions and all this kind of stuff in front of everybody in the bridal party. And, but uh, my father-in-law had given a speech um, in that, and I still remember it to this day, and he was just saying how he had prayed, almost, almost like talking about, I mean, obviously, I'm sure it's not literally every day, but prayed days upon days upon days for who Amanda was going to marry. That he was praying for me, and I didn't know it, you know, like the thought that he was praying for me years before. Here's the question. Are you entrusting these things to the Lord and say, God, you're, you're God. I'm not. One day I'm going to have to release my child to someone, and I pray that it's going to be the right person, that you have the right person for them. And so are you resting in those things? Are you actively, God's given you that responsibility, are you actively resting in Him? Are you resting that He has got it even while you sleep? Trust Him. Entrust your children to the Lord because you're going to see in our next principle, and I think this is important because it's going to, all these kind of connect, and I think this is our third one, and I want you to get this, is this. God blesses us with children so we can send them out to live on mission. God gives us children. He blesses us with children so we can send them out to live on mission. Here's the thing. Your children, they're not yours. I know you're like, well, I was, I was in the delivery room. That was my child, right? What I mean is this. They're not yours. They don't belong to you, ultimately. They're the Lord's. God is the creator of heaven and earth. He's the maker of all things, all people. He is God and no one's like him. And these are his children. They're not just yours. He's given you a responsibility for, 
this life, for definitely for a certain season, to, to feed them, to care for them, to help them get educated, to, to, to love them, to guide them, to help them with making some choices and slowly giving them more responsibility to make some decisions on their own so they're prepared to go out in the world. But ultimately, these children are not yours. God blesses us with children, but ultimately he's given us these children to send them out. Notice, I love, I love the description here he gives. He says, behold, children, verse 3, behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. They're a gift from the Lord. The fruit of the womb, a reward. And notice verse 4, like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gates. Here the psalmist and psalmist saying, God has blessed you with children, but they're like arrows. What's an arrow meant to do? What's its purpose? What's an arrow for? It's to be shot, right? You don't throw an arrow. You don't, you don't just look at an arrow. You don't play with an arrow. You don't do sword fights with arrows. I guess you could technically, but it's, it's actual purpose is to be put in a bow and pulled and released and shot out. Its purpose is to be sent, And here, what he is saying in this passage, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are children of one's use. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. Blessed is the man who has a a, a family and children, but they're like arrows and they're meant to be sent out. Here's the reality is this, God has put children, if you've been blessed with children, God has given you children in your home, and here's your main responsibility. You know what your main responsibility is? Is to disciple them. God naturally puts you with children in your home who need the Lord, who need care, who need love, who need grace, who need acceptance, they need responsibility, they need to be taught a lot of things. But you are the primary, listen, this is your, if you're a parent, you're, or you want to be a parent one day, you are the primary disciple maker. It is not a pastor, it's not a church, it's not a Sunday school teacher, a small group leader, a children's ministry who's teaching right now to some of your children. They are partnering with you, and that is good. We want people speaking into your children's life. That's why gives us the church. It's even why he gives us this psalm. These psalms were sung by everyone. They're they're going down the road and they would sing this uh, together. But your primary responsibility is to disciple make your children. Think about this in Matthew 28. I want to read it to you. It's the Great Commission. In Matthew 28, Jesus' last, basically his last words on earth and his commissioning and his sending out his disciples. In Matthew 28, he says this. Look at Look at verse 18. He says, and Jesus, uh, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority has been on heaven and earth has been given to me. And here's what he says. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. You see, God has given you even children as the first responsibility. God has placed you, if you're, if you're married and you have a spouse, God has given you a responsibility to disciple one another, to help each other become more like Christ, to look more like Him, act more like Him, to treat your home as a place to, of ministry, to love people, to care for people. But ultimately, we're all to go, therefore, and make disciples. And naturally, here's the coolest thing. God drops them in your home. This is why, I mean, my family, part of the part of reason why we adopted 
was like, man, we look at the world and you see the brokenness and you see there's children without a home and they're in a country where they're probably not even going to hear Jesus' name and ever hear about the gospel. And so naturally, in my mind, I'm like, let's get that child and get her out of that situation and into our home so that we can disciple her, love her, care for her, provide for her, but ultimately show her Jesus. I want her to see the gospel through my family and through her being in our family. Just like my own boys, I said, same thing. I want them to see Christ in me. Am I perfect? They see a lot of failure most of the time, (laughs) like a lot of the time. It's like, man, continued failure, but what do I need to do? I go to them, ask for forgiveness. Show them like, God God messed up. This is why I need Jesus too. Just like you need Jesus, I need Jesus. I need his forgiving and transforming grace in my life too. But God gives us children to ultimately to send them out. But we don't, and so here's the question. What are you doing right now today? to prepare them, to send them. If you're, if you're a, a church member, like what are you doing to partner with parents? Maybe you're past that stage and you've already kind of gone through that stage of life of parenting directly in the home. How could you be maybe mentoring another younger couple or how could you partner in our children's ministry and serve or maybe have you ever considered foster care? Or adopting? Have you ever considered bringing someone into your home to love them, to provide for them, to meet, help meet needs, but ultimately to point them to Christ? in their need of a savior. Jim Elliott, who's a missionary to Ecuador, I want you to listen to this. He told his parents when he made the decision to leave everything behind, to leave, he grew up in America, to leave everything behind and go to a people group who had never heard the gospel. Ultimately, he goes there and he was uh, martyred on the beaches of Ecuador, even actually ever before really getting to witness to one person. I can tell you the awesome part of that story, though, is eventually those, that people group was reached with the gospel. And a lot of it through um, him and his uh, companions and them being killed on those beaches. But he, he was quoted as saying this to his parents. I want you to hear what he said. He said, I do not wonder that you were saddened at the word of my going to South America. I mean, obviously, right? I mean, any parent who's even just let their kids drive off to college is like, oh, it's terrifying. I do not wonder that you were saddened at the word of my going to South America, but remember how the psalmist described children. He said that they were as an heritage from the Lord, and that every man should be happy who had his quiver full of them. And what is a quiver full of but, but, but arrows? And what are arrows but for, for but to shoot? So with the strong, listen to this, but with the strong arms of prayer, draw the bowstring back, and let the arrows fly, all of them. Talking about his children. Talking, about, talking to his parents about himself and, his, and their kids. With the strong arms of prayer, draw the bowstring back and let the arrows fly, all of them, straight at the enemy's hosts. You see, even as a parent, your job is eventually to send them out. Not just, and listen, you have just a short, if you're a parent and you might already be through some of the stages, listen, you only have a short time to invest in your kids. What are you preparing them for? Go back to that question I asked at the beginning. Where's the, the anxiety? Where's the, where's the money? Where's the time? Where's the energy going in training your children? Is it academically, socially, athletically? Or is it in their faith and character? Are they going to leave your house on fire for the Lord? Are they going to leave your home and be sent like an arrow launched at the enemy, like, like Jim Elliott, this missionary to Ecuador, was saying. 
Can, are you ready to, yet? You're probably like, no, absolutely not. I'm not ready yet. Like, I don't want, and none of us like wants to do that. Like, and I think here's the tendency. We think of this only as like missions. Like we're sending our kids across the world to go and make disciples of another people group. I mean, just in general, sending out your kids to live on mission. We're all to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But notice this, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. What are we teaching our kids? What are we training them for? Are we just pushing athletics, academics? What does it look like daily for you? Do you have a quiet time with your family? Something that we have grown in immensely from the time our kids were born is, is spending time in God's Word at night, before bed, to, to read a book together, to look at Scripture, to talk about it. Now you're like, but Eric, you're a pastor. I'm like, my kids do not see me as a pastor. <laughs> it is not like, all right, sons, everyone sit down, grab your Bibles, <laughs> let me get my podium out, and let me teach you all what I need to know, what I know. No, we, we read a devotion together. We read Scripture. Or maybe I share from what God was teaching me in my own quiet time, and we'll just spend a little bit of time. Sometimes we sing, sometimes we don't. We always pray together as a family, and we just look at God's Word. Listen, just taking time each day to invest in your children to one day send them out. But here's the thing. You invest them with them with how you act every day. You're going to teach them way more through everyday decisions and the things that you do and the way you act and the things you talk about, how you respond to conflict, all of those things. Your, your children are watching you and they're listening and they're paying attention. They see what's really most important. You might talk about God and you bring them to church. That's great. I mean, I'm thankful for each of you. But they get to see you during the week. They get to see how you act, how you talk, what you, how you interact with your spouse, or how you talk to different ones. Listen, be preparing to send your children. God has given you children. He blesses us with children so we can send them out to live on mission for Him. So here's the question. What are you doing today? What are you doing today? What's happening right now in your life? Or maybe you're like, all right, I want to, I'm starting to get, you know, I'm gaining some information. I'm single right now. I'm not even really thinking about marriage yet uh, or even thinking about the thought of kids. But here's the, here's the tragic reality I think most people think. I think kids get in the way of our good life. It's a tendency to think that, oh, well, like this child now is preventing me from now having my wonderful date nights. And this child is in the way of all these things. And so some people, like they wait decades maybe or something like that because like these it's like as if kids are going to be a problem i was reading i mean this is kind of what you're hearing even through the abortion and all the things that you're hearing from different politicians they're ultimately some of those conversations are sounding like as if kids get in the way a child or a birth a child is going to get in the way of your life no god listen it is a hair is a blessing to give children it is a blessing to invest with them and invest in the next generation for Redeemer Community Church, our desire is to see children flourish in their faith. We want to invest in them too, and we want to partner with you. Um, we want to help equip you in this journey because I recognize it. Parenting is really hard. It's the hardest thing I've ever done. But here's the really cool thing. So if you're, if you're like still thinking about marriage or one day marriage and hoping for marriage someday and maybe one day to have kids, one of the neat things to see is I've learned so much more about my wife that I didn't know about her until we had kids. 
All of a sudden, it's like, you know, this fire in a woman shows up and this, and this love that wasn't even possible, didn't seem possible, shows up when they have a child. And all of a sudden, I get to see her interact and care and how sacrificially and selfish, uh, uh, unselfishly she has, she goes and does all these different things. I mean, my love for her has grown through watching her parent and raise our kids. But here's my challenge to you men. Don't let them just do it. If you re- listen, I want to challenge you to do this. You look at God's word and you look about parents. You know most of the time the audience is to men. It's to men. You know most books, if you go to the bookstore, look are directed to women. Over and over again. I mean, I'll talk about parents too, but a lot of times it's the moms. It's the moms, and moms do this and do that. It is don't men don't abdicate your authority and your leadership in the home. Don't let mom handle all the discipline. Don't let mom handle all the teaching and all that stuff. They need you. You're, if you're in the home, God has put you there as a man to lead your children and to help partner with your spouse to lead and guide them and train them. Don't, it's not time to sit back and relax because you've worked really hard during the day and now you're going to chill for the night. Like invest, don't stop investing in the next generation. This is our responsibility. God's given us this responsibility, but here's the cool part. You have to rest. You give it to the Lord. You rest. God gives his beloved sleep. Rest, you do what God has told you to do. You follow the principles in Scripture, but ultimately you entrust it to the Lord, and you say, God, this is your child. I give it to you. Like Hannah with Samuel says, okay, God, this is not my child. You've blessed me with this child. I give him to you. That's how we should all live, our individual lives. God, this is not my life. This is yours. I gladly give it to you in sacrificial worship to you. This is some challenges. We're going to see this next week. We're going to learn a few more principles in next week's looking at Psalm 128. But my, my encouragement to you is, listen, God has given us a responsibility. It's a, it's a weighty responsibility, but ultimately we trust God with the results. Let me pray. Father, we love you, Lord. We thank you so much that you are a father to the fatherless. God, you could be a great, you're, you're always a better father than I could ever be. Um, God, if I'm out of the home, you, it's, you're the one who um, is the one who ultimately brings the results. I can't change my children. I could love them. I can try to follow your word and give them Um, guidance and help and all these things, but ultimately, God, help me to entrust them to you and trust that you have the power to change. I thank you that you've given us this great responsibility. It's one that's be taken seriously, but God, help us to do it in your power. Just like it says here, unless the Lord builds the city, those who labor to build it, labor, labor in vain. And so, God, we entrust this to you, and we want your help. We want your power. Give us the grace, the strength, uh, the ability, the wisdom, and discernment to, to, as we make decisions. And, God, maybe this week, maybe we take time this week to, to invest in our kids more in this area of helping prepare them and to send them out as an arrow at the enemy. Um, God, I pray that we're doing these things, that we're entrusting them to you, in that we're preparing to send them out um, as, a, as a wonderful missionary into the community and into the environment, the college, the school, uh, the environment that you place them in. I, God, I, prepa- I, I pray that you will prepare us, even as a church, to come alongside parents and to partner with them and seeing themselves as the 
primary disciple maker of their kids. So Lord, we thank you for these things. Thank you for these truths, these principles to put into practice. We love you, God, and we ask this in your son's name. Amen.